0: excited today for uh, for this new series called I love my church and I love preaching this series and really I'm just going to be real, real frank with you we're going to talk about the reason why we love our church and the reason why so God has blessed our church and a lot of people ask all the time I have pastor friends around the nation that call and say man how do you get hundreds of people already how are you moving and, and taking steps that you've made and obviously the first reason is we think God's blessing us and a matter of fact God's doing everything there, but really there's some things that we've rallied our hearts around, some principles and some values that we just said, man, we're, gonna, we're sort of going to give our whole life to these things. And over the next four weeks leading up to our birthday celebration, I want to give you those four things, the four things that make us who we are and make us tick. And if you're here for the first time, it's a great weekend to be in church because you sort of get an idea of what we do and how we do what we do. And there's some stuff that I feel like God has a vision in our church. Matter of fact, I think God's vision for you is much bigger than your vision for you. I read this quote, I thought this was amazing, from D.L. Moody. He said that that our greatest fear should not be failure. Listen close. But it should be succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Your greatest fear in life shouldn't be failing at something. It should be climbing the ladder and then getting to the top of it and realizing you were on the wrong ladder to begin with. Anybody ever been there but me? It shouldn't be just failure. It should be really, what are we succeeding at? And as a church, when we sat down and we started thinking about planting this church, we said, God, we don't think this is going to fail, but we don't want to succeed at something that you haven't called us to do. We don't want to succeed at something that doesn't matter. We want to know what you have because we think you've got a plan. Proverbs says it this way, that if people don't see what God is doing, then they stumble all over themselves. But, listen close, when they open their eyes and attend to what he reveals, then their church and their lives and their families are most blessed. So we said, God, what would you reveal to us? Like, what would you want us to do as a church? How would you want to build this church? And there's four main things, and really, I'm going to give you all four of them, and I'm going to preach to you for the next four weeks, so you came on a great week. Here's the four things we feel like God's called us to do. And actually, I think this is a biblical concept. I hope before the end of the, the message today, you're going to realize that this is God's idea. Our, our plan is this. We think God's plan is this. We, we want to see lost people saved. And then we want to see saved people saved. Pastored. Would you write these things in your notes? We want to see pastored people. Pastored isn't even really a word. We just made it up. It's the best word to say what what it is when you're discipled. We want to see discipled or pastored people trained. And then we want to see trained people mobilized. Let me say that again. Every single week here, my number one goal, the reason why we moved into a larger theater, and you look around thinking, man, why all these empty seats? What are we doing in here? Why are we still? The the number one question I got while we were moving is, are we still doing two services? Look at my eyes. Yeah, we may do a a third one, because I'm going to make more room for more lost people to get saved. Everybody shout amen to that. Like that's what we're called to do is for lost people to get saved. And then we think that it's not just enough for you to meet Jesus here. We think saved people need a family. We think you need a faith family to be pastored in. We do that in small groups. We think That's why connect groups are so important around here because we think that it's not just enough for you to get saved, but many times when you walk away from your old life, you need to find new friends and new, uh, new, new people to hang around with. You need to get pastored inside of a group but it's not just enough to be pastored. This is where the majority of churches, 90% of churches I know, this is where they stop. They're about lost people being saved, and they're really they're okay with saved people being pastored, but then it just kind of becomes all about us. I don't know about you, I was raised in a church like this. That really, after we got saved, it was just kind of whatever I wanted. It was my preference, what I liked, doing what I, you know, we sang the songs I liked. And, and then if they didn't do what I liked at my church, you just found another church down the road that did what you liked. Amen, everybody. Y'all didn't do that, but I've heard of other people in other churches that do that. The one thing that makes our church very different is we don't think it's just enough for you to get saved here. We don't think it's just enough for you to get pastored here. We think pastored people ought to be trained here. It's what Growth Track is all about. It's about you finding your purpose in your life and helping us. sort of. We don't, we don't tell you what it is God's called you to do. We just help you discover what God's called you to do. And then we're going to train you to do that the rest of your life. And what we're doing in the morning and really what our number one calling is, the, the, the goal line, the finish line, the touchdown at City Hills is when trained people are mobilized. When you're mobilized to be an army, listen to me, look at my eyes. We are not building a congregation or denomination. We're building an army, everybody. We're building an army to change the world. And my, my job, honestly, what I feel like my number one calling is to help mobilize the church. I think my job is to help mobilize you to do the thing that God called you to do for the rest of your life. So, these are the four things that we think like God did. This is really this is our plan here at City Hills, and, and I think it's more than just a plan. I think these are based on some promises that God made you. I think God makes some promises, and really in the Bible, when God makes a promise, it's not just for it, most often, it's not just for that individual thing, it's a promise that He's made for, for always. We've based these four things that our church has sort of built our whole ministry around. Four promises that God made the children of Israel. And I want to help you walk through those for the next four weeks. And here they are. Here are the four core promises. It's found in the book of Exodus. Let me give you some background. The the children of Israel have been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. God raises up Moses. You know this story if you've been around church a while. God raises up Moses. And Moses brings the children of Israel out Israel out of Egypt. Now the question is, what do we do with them now? What like... What's the plan now in your life? And more often than not, most of the pastoral counseling I do, Henry, most of the things is sitting one-on-one with somebody and they go, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do next in my marriage. I don't know what to do next in my ministry. I don't know. What does God want for me to do next? in my job? Am I supposed to move? Which, by the way, if you're questioning whether you're supposed to move from San Antonio, the answer is no. God already told me to tell you no. (laughs) And he told me to tell you don't change churches. He told me both of those things to tell you. What do I do next? And so God tells Moses, here's what I want you to do next. Exodus the 6 says, therefore, say to the Israelites, God tells Moses, here's what I want you to tell them, I am the Lord, listen close, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them. That sounds like the same thing, but it's really not. And I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And not just that, but once I brought you out, once I redeemed you, now I'll take you as my own people and I will be your God. And you will know that I'm the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. These are called the four I will statements. You understand how deep that really theology is because they all began with I will And if you were an Orthodox Jew today, at Passover, every every single Passover, an Orthodox Jewish person would recite this passage from Scripture, and there are four cups of wine on the table. Some of you are already thinking about being Jewish when I said that. There are four cups of wine on the table. And you would drink from one of those cups, and you would repeat the I wills, the four I wills. And they stood for the promises that God had made the children of Israel. Now listen close. I don't just think God made them... To the children of Israel, I think these are the same promises God makes you and I. We've built our whole lives around this. i built my whole ministry around these four things that I think God wants to do for you Would you write these down. I think God, when He says the first one is, I will bring you out, I think the first thing is salvation. That's God's plan in your life. God's plan is salvation. And then, and then He said, I will free you. That's that's If you were a Jew, it's called the cup of freedom. The third thing is, I will redeem you. It's called the cup of redemption or the cup of restoration. I want to restore what it is that's been lost in your life. And then the last cup, if you were, if you were an Orthodox Jew, it's called the cup of fulfillment. I will take you as my own people. I love this. Because three times God makes a promise to you, and then the fourth time He says, I'm going to put you in a group of people, and I'll take you as my own people. He said, I'm going to put you on a team. You can't do this alone. And that's called the cup of fulfillment, or the cup of praise. Most people believe that when Jesus was at the Last Supper at the Passover, that He takes the fourth cup, the cup of fulfillment. And that's the cup he drinks from. He says, I'm going to take you as my own people. And these are the four things I think God's promised everybody. Salvation and freedom and redemption and fulfillment. And honestly, if you're going to live the best life God has for you, I think you need to take that journey. I think you need to go from salvation to, to, to fi- really finding freedom. And then, and then once you get, you know, it's one thing to not be a slave anymore, but now I want to get the slave mentality out of you. And, and, and so I want you to find freedom. And then redemption and restoration to what God originally called you to be so that you can live the most fulfilled life. More often than not, I meet Christians who say, I love God, I just don't feel like I'm really fulfilled right now. I just don't feel like I have purpose. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. It just it's, it feels like I'm not fulfilled, and that's really my prayer for you. And that's really the four things that our church is built on. And if you, if you fall asleep or miss the next three weeks, that's really the whole thing. I'm going to walk you through those. And the first one I'm glad that you're here today is because I want to talk about what it means in salvation, what it means to be under the yoke. Today I want to talk to you about that promise of sanctification or salvation. and This is really God's greatest desire for you. Honestly, the reason why it's the first cup on the the table at Passover is because it's the first thing you got to do. It's God's first promise to you that I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. To be completely honest with you, that's where everybody who ever comes to God starts is as a slave. You start in bondage. Listen, the devil's number one goal, listen close to me, is to keep you in bondage, everybody. Say amen to that. Like his number one goal. In the original story, listen, Pharaoh, he, he he keeps the Israelites, the Hebrew people, in bondage three different ways. And I think the devil does the same thing to you. Here they are. Take these notes really quickly. The first thing is that Pharaoh made them, they were forced as slaves to make bricks. Listen close. This is where most people find themselves as enslaved. They find themselves, I think that's the devil's number one plan for your life is to keep you enslaved or submitted. Jesus said it this way in John. He said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin, look at this word, is trapped in the dead end life and is in fact a slave. You've probably said it this way this week. I just feel trapped. I feel trapped in this relationship. I feel trapped in this habit. I feel trapped in this debt. I feel trapped in this marriage. All the married guys look right at me. I feel trapped in this guilt. Listen close. Maybe you were raised in a religious family like I was, and i got to be completely honest with you. While I'm thankful for what God did in my life, and my early life, and my religious experience, I lived most of my Christianity feeling trapped in guilt and shame. Some of you are in that same pattern today enslaved by it, by fear and anger, or maybe bitterness. You've been hurt at some point in your life and you feel trapped to that bitterness. Or listen close. Some of us feel enslaved and trapped by our schedule. I just can't ever get off of this wheel. If I ever miss a single day, then how, everything's going to unravel. I feel trapped in this. It used to be something I loved and now i got to get up every day feeling trapped in this rat race, just trying to keep it all together. I'm enslaved to this. I'm enslaved to my habits. Listen close. Some of us really, you want... If, I, I, this is so crazy to me. If you If you could rescue yourself from your habit, you already would have. I meet people who tell me, Oh, pastor, it doesn't matter. I can walk away from it any time. Well, then why haven't you? Because you can't. I feel trapped. I'm enslaved to this. I, I don't know how to get out of this. And honestly, the truth of the matter is the enemy's number one goal is to keep you in slavery to sin. It's his number one thing. He wants to make you a slave. And, and then the second thing that Pharaoh did to the Hebrews and I think the enemy does to you and I is the murder of babies. Now listen close. I know what you're thinking. And it's not what you're thinking. I think this is symbolic. Listen, when you murder baby, you are murdering the potential of that baby. Do you understand that? You take away the opportunity that whatever it was God was going to use that child for, you take away that, the opportunity. You take away that, that, that potential. Most people that I meet feel empty. Throughout all of history, the devil has tried to kill children because he's destroying the potential of world changers. This represents what the enemy's doing inside of your life. He's destroying your potential. Listen, Pharaoh literally stole their future by stealing their babies, but the devil wants to steal your future by stealing your potential. And there's some people who this very week or this very month or this year, you've just felt like, man, I just feel so empty inside. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We have an epidemic of millennials who feel empty. I don't know what to do in my life. I don't have any purpose. I don't know where to go from here. I I, I don't know what's happening. I, I I don't feel like I have any potential in my life. Some of you feel this way. Listen, some of you have said this very phrase. I keep doing what I'm supposed to do, but I feel so unsatisfied doing it. I just feel empty inside. I feel like I'm enslaved to this thing. I gotta keep going that way, but it gives me no joy. It's not really what I'm called to do. I'm not impassioned about it. I I don't feel like I have anything out in front of me. Listen, you left college and you had all of these plans and you thought, here's the way it's gonna go. We're gonna get married. I'm gonna meet a big guy who's tall. I don't know why you want tall guys anyway, whatever. I'm gonna meet a tall guy who's dark and handsome, looks like Ricardo with a man beard, what whatever. And And we're going to have three kids. And they're going to be awesome. We're going to have a white picket fence. It's going to be amazing. And then you get married to a tall guy, whatever. And you have kids. And you get the fence. Listen, in five years and ten years in, he walks out or she walks out. Or you lose the baby. Or cancer's in your family. And you think, man, this doesn't go like I planned it to go. I was going to start this business, and then I didn't. We got pregnant before we could start the business. But We, we, we were going to move here. We were going to travel the world, and, and we just got caught up in bills and money. And now, here we've been married 20 years, and we've never done the thing. We're, and you're living your life at 30 or 40 or 50 years old, empty inside, lacking purpose, because the enemy's destroyed your potential. And I just feel empty. I just thought it would be different than this. I thought we'd be further along than this. You ever said that? I just thought things would be better. And then the last thing I, I, I really feel like the enemy does. I, this is what Pharaoh did to the Hebrews. This is what I think the devil does to you and I. Not only did he murder their babies, but he required them to collect their own straw. He made them make bricks, but he made it worse on them. They didn't just have to make bricks. They had to go get their own straw to make their own bricks. And so many people feel absolutely exhausted. But one of the first things that people tell me every time when I ask them, Hey man, how you doing? Here's our first response. I'm good. I'm just... We have an epidemic of exhaustion. Why do you think? I really think you do feel tired. I really think it is that. Is this? I'm tired all the time. I can't keep up. You know why? Because I'm overloaded. I'm stressed out. I'm stretched to the limit. My patience is low. Come on, everybody with two year olds. Come on, somebody. I want to punt my two year old down the. I don't. I don't even like kids. I sure don't like mine. I don't like. I just have no tolerance anymore. I have no patience. I, 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 my, my fuse is short. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm tired. Ty- listen, I just I feel like I can't. I want to give up. I just don't know what I, I I don't know what to do anymore. Nothing that I have gives me life. Listen close. And then you start using words like this. I'm burned out. Listen, listen. Look at my eyes. Nobody ever burns out from doing something that they're supposed to be doing. The reason you're burned out is not because you're doing something you're supposed to be doing. You're burned out wasting your life doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Don't come to me with I'm burnt out on church there is no possible way. come on everybody you can't be burnt out on church. I, this gives me life this is the place I'm called for this. this is my purpose. I wake up I, I don't sleep on Saturday night. I know that's hard to believe but I don't sleep I am fired because I'm living in my purpose right now. this is what I'm called to do but some of you feel like you're so exhausted you know why because you're spending your lives. Outside of what God called you to do. Giving your energy to everything except for the thing you were created for. Now what do we do now? I feel enslaved. I feel empty inside. I feel exhausted. And there's so many of you here. Listen close. Listen, I really feel like the Holy Spirit told me this. That there are people in this room today in both of our services who are living at the edge of their life. Look, look at me. You are living on the edge Barely able to move on. If one more thing happens, some of you have said that this week. If just one more thing, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. If I get one more phone call, if one more thing at work, I just can't. And you're living right on the edge of exhaustion and emptiness and, and, and slavery to, to bitterness and to anger and to frustration and to lack of joy and depression. you got to take pills to go to bed and pills to wake up in the morning. Living on the edge. What do we do next? How do I get out of this? And God says, there's so many people. This is where you are. This is that sort of this is the epidemic of the uh, of the Egyptians. This is this is the epidemic of the Hebrew people. This is where they live. This is why God said, I've got a plan for you. I will bring you. The first thing our church is built on, listen close, as long as we are going to exist as City Hills is I want to give you a way out, everybody. Church ought not be the place where everybody's got it figured out and got it all together. You look at my eyes. This will never be a church for perfect people who do perfect things and have it all figured out. This would be a place where you can come in right on the edge and say, I don't know if I can make it again, but maybe I'll get strength for this week in God's house. Shout amen to that, everybody. That's God's plan. That's what this church is all about. Listen, this church is a life-giving church. Jesus said it this way in John 10. He said... Enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. But I have come that they may have everybody shout life. This ought to, church ought to be the best part of your week. It ought to be the most encouraging. I tell our team on the front line. I tell our worship team all the time. I don't care if you sing a word. Don't worry about it. We use background vocals anyway. I don't care if you sing anything. I, I want you to smile at them people till your face bleeds. You hear me? Because outside of these doors, it's hell. Listen close to me. Inside of here, I want this to give you life. I want you to know there's joy here. I want you to know that we will never, I will never, look at me, I will never as your pastor, I promise you, that if you're here for the first time, it's a great time for you to be here. I grew up in a church that was pointing their finger at me, always telling me what I was doing wrong. I'm never going to come here and point my finger at you and tell you how bad you are, what a terrible sinner you are. you got to come down here and repent today. Does it mean that we don't believe in sin? That doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean we're soft on sin at all. Here's what it does mean. It means my job is to call life out of you. My job is to call the blessing of God over your life. I want you to discover the potential in your life. I want you to come here with your head lifted. When you walk out of here, you ought to leave out of here feeling like you could whip a bear with a swing everybody. You know what I'm saying? I want you to leave out of here full of life. I want you to leave out of here knowing that God's for you and not against you. We will never be a church known for what we are against. We will always... Don't ask me my stand on controversial stuff. What you're really asking me is what we're against. Why don't you ask me what I'm for? I'm for people finding hope in Jesus. I'm for people finding life in His presence. I'm for your family and for your marriage. I'm for you. That's what... That church is for you. This is a life-giving place. Shout amen to that, everybody. Me and that fella up there are the only people that believe this. Roman says it this way. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, if He moves into your life, this is really my prayer for you. Listen close. That He'll do the same thing in you that He did for Jesus. Because when God, I want you to underline this in your notes, when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that, listen to me, that dead life. This is, you want to know what Sundays are all about here? It's this. It's the reason why I've jumped all over. I love this place. I'm liable to pick some up and throw it. I'm telling you because i got room, Henry. You know what I'm saying? It's the reason we're all jumping around up here. You know why? Because my prayer for you is that you get the the life and the breath of God in your life so you get delivered from that dead life. So you find hope here and life here. So that you literally, I want to help you close the gap, listen, between the life you have and the life you wish you had. The life you have is miserable and depression and a marriage that's on the rocks and kids that are going crazy and everything falling apart and stressed out and exhausted and enslaved. And the life that I think you ought to have is a life full of joy and passion and purpose and potential and a life that God is breathing into you. And when you get here, when you get here, I think God's Spirit, here's what it says, when His Spirit is living in you, your body will come alive as Christ. I want you to really have that kind of experience here. I want you to drink from the cup of salvation. I will bring you out. So it begs a couple of questions. Here's the first one. How did we get there? Like how did we get to this place? How did we get to the place that we feel empty and exhausted and, and, and we feel like we're enslaved? Well, here, here's the majority of the time it happens because you're drifting. You didn't mean to get that way. Rarely do I meet people that wake up and said, I think today I'm going to have an affair. I think today's the day I'm going to get addicted to prescription pills. Today's the date. Okay, I'm I'm addicted. Today's the day. It's usually just a, a, a gradual drift. You don't even realize it. You don't even realize it's happening until you look up and you realize, oh my gosh, there's all that destruction back there. How did that happen? And I drifted into slavery. And I drifted to this place of emptiness. Some of you have had a bad experience. Listen, maybe in church and and it turned you off. Maybe you're mad at God. You're mad at religion. You're mad at preachers. You're mad at church. and It hurt. You can't get over it. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe, it's, maybe you start making bad choices. Maybe there's some generational stuff, and, and your life just seems reckless and out of control and wasting your life and miserable. And this is what happens to the children of Israel. Listen, they end up in Egypt, and they've drifted, and they feel betrayed, and then they start making bad choices, and then they start thinking, how are we ever going to get out? And that's where most people are asking, how do we get out? What do we do next? How do we find our way out? And I got about five minutes to tell you. You can get out today. And really the foundational part of our church, honestly, the very first thing we built our whole church around is this, that Sundays ought to be a place where you can find life and you can get out. That if God's called you to out, out of slavery, out of that emptiness, out of that place of feeling exhausted, here, here's, you're going to have to do a couple of things. get out and I want you to take good notes if you haven't taken notes up until now I want you to write this down here's the first thing you're going to have to do you're going to have to make the move here's the word to write down you've got to repent you got to repent I know that that it's hard to tell it up here looking at me in this light but I've gained a few pounds since we had kids whatever anyway Most people tell you on Facebook, it, when, you ever know somebody that loses a lot of weight and they get on Facebook and tell you? you know and they're, and they're, they're usually selling you some kind of you know pink drink that's made out of unicorn blood or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You must sell pink drink. truth of the matter is, it's just going to take a choice. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, listen, I I used to do that. Now I'm not going to eat that way anymore. You know what I mean? Like I'm just going to do something else. I, uh, Listen, look at me. It's not really supernatural. Look at my eyes. It's just a choice. Some of you need to choose. You're going to have to choose to walk away from a a habit and choose to to make the move listen some of you have known for a very long time what you got to do you just got to do it it's only going to happen when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired there's going to come a day I don't know when that day is you're going to be right on the edge you're going to say today's the day like this is it like I'm going all in today like I'm turning around I'm, I'm, I'm done with this I've lived so long on the edge. Some you ever met somebody? Don't point at anybody. You ever met somebody that's lived so long in chaos that they actually thr- they learn how to live in the chaos. They don't when you, when when it gets normal, they get they get strange. They don't even know how to live normal anymore because they've lived so long on the edge. You, you listen, you've got muscle memory from being depressed as long as you have been, from lacking joy, from not having purpose or direction in your life. You've lived on the edge, and at some point you're just gonna have to say, Today's the day, I'm coming down. Like I'm just gonna repent, I'm just gonna do something else. I'm just gonna I'm gonna give my whole life. Second Corinthians says it this way: Therefore, come out. Come out. The first promise that God makes you is, I will bring you out. Now I was raised in a religious system that this is all I ever heard. I promise you, I heard this passage. Thousands of times in my upbringing. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And I really thought that was the end of the Bible. I promise you, I thought that was the end of that verse. And in my 20s, I'm embarrassed to tell you, it took me that long to figure out, that's not all that God wants for me. Because if you'll come out, God says, I will be a father to you. That's what I really needed. That's what you really need. The second thing you got to do, you, you got to repent. The second thing you got to do is let it go, everybody. You're just going to have to let it go. Here's the word to write down it's surrender. You're going to have to finally quit lying to yourself that you can do it because you can't do it. If you could, you would have. If you could, you would have. Quit saying, I can quit anytime I want to. No, no, no. You're going to have to surrender this to Jesus. You're going to have to let God do this. Mark says it this way. Anyone who intends to come after me, Jesus is talking. Listen, He says He has to let me lead. You're going to have to surrender the, the Lordship of your life. You're going to have to quit making your own decisions, doing it your way, finding your way. I'll just figure this out. No, no, no. You can't figure this out. you got to surrender it. How do do we get out of here feeling exhausted, feeling empty, feeling enslaved all the time? Here's the last thing. Listen close. It's one thing to come out and to leave that world behind. It's one thing to surrender it all to God. But some of you need to commit your life. You don't need to just come out of something. You need to come into something. You don't need to just walk away from some stuff. You need to walk into... You can't just not be slaves to sin. Here's the way that Roman says it, just as you used to offer your bodies, yourselves as slaves to sin and impurity and the ever increasing wickedness. Listen, the exact same way, offer yourselves as slaves to always get people always tell me, well, I'm just not really, I'm not really, you know, I'm not, I just don't get excited about anything. And then college football opens and you act like the same way I was a slave to dove hunting. The same way I was was a slave to doing it my way, I can give that same energy to live in God's way. I'm going to be a slave to righteousness, to holiness. Here's the word. Listen close. Because I thought this happened by a list of rules. Look at me. Everybody, if you don't catch anything else, catch this. I thought thought what came next is me passing out a list of rules. Here's what not to do. Don't go dove hunting. Don't go, don't watch college football unless it's the SEC, because y'all know. Don't, don't. I thought there was a list of rules. Listen, this is where you've messed up in your Christianity. This is why you live empty. This is why there's no passion. Listen, when you commit your life, it's relationship, it's finding relationship, it's going all in. Look at my eyes. I'm asking you, City Hills, we're a year old. Look at me. Quit kicking the tires. Put all the chips in. Just go all in. I, I, I tell you this all the time. If, you, if you'll give a year of your life, if you'll do everything, if you'll join every Connect group, if you'll go through Growth Track, if you'll serve on the team, if you'll give and tithe and just show up early and stay late, come to both services, just give your whole life. I promise you, a year from now, you will not recognize your life of how much God's blessed it. Just go all in. Just go all in. When people sit down and meet with me, they say, "Pastor, I don't understand." My first question is, "At what area of your life are you not committing?" Like you got to go all in. You got you can't just leave that behind. You got to go all in. You got to do so in relationship. Listen, here's the foundational principle: wake your neighbor up and tell them. Here comes the punchline. Here's the first thing we built our church on. Here's God's promise for you. It was God's promise for the Hebrews. And it's God's promise for you. It's the first thing that we built our church around. The value that we hold more dear than anything else. My prayer for you, listen close. It's not that you laugh at my jokes, but I appreciate it. It's not that you enjoy this church, and I hope you do. It's not that you meet friends, and I hope you do. It's It's not that you love the music, I hope you do. It's it's not it's not really my my first prayer for you. If nothing else happens for you, I I want you to move beyond your rituals. I want you to move beyond the religion you're really raised with. And my prayer for you is to know God. That's what that's what God said to Moses. He said, "I'll bring you out, and I'll be a father to you." I lived most of my life knowing about God at some point in my 20's I, I had climbed this is my story didn't have to be your story but I had climbed the denominational ladder we got married at 19 years old don't ever do that and somehow we made it the first couple of years and then we were in full time ministry as soon as we got married we jumped into ministry together I preached literally all over, the, all over the world, all over the nation. I was on the largest stages our denomination offered. Stadiums full of people, tens of thousands of people. I would preached everything. I had climbed as high as I could. and I, Listen, it didn't have to be your story. This is mine. And literally, we would come back to the hotel, and I would tell Brandy, it has got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more. I know about him. I don't know if I know him. Here's what the Bible says. It said that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me, here's all the stuff we did. We cast out devils in your name. We prophesied in your name. We did many miracles. And he said, I don't care about any of that stuff as much as I care about this. I want to know you. And I want you to know God. Grab your neighbor by the hand and stand up all over the place. Nobody moving but our team. Give me two more minutes and I'll let you go home. Look at me. I want you to know God. This church, I want you to love it. I want you to smile. I want you to laugh. I want you to leave here encouraged and inspired. I want you to leave here full of life. I want you to leave here with your head held high. I want you to leave here worshiping God. That's why we're going to worship here in just a moment. I want this to be the best time of your life. But my first prayer for you is that you know God. Is Is that He brings you out of that slavery and emptiness and exhaustion. And that you know Him. You don't just know about him. You don't know what he's. You don't just know the list of rules to do, and you don't just know. You know your denomination or your thing or just Christianity, but you put all the chips in, and you really know God. That's what my prayer for you is. Why don't you close your eyes and you got somebody's hand? Why don't you start praying something that sounds like this? God, I want to know you. I, I, I want to know you fully. God, I've known about you, but I'm empty. God, I'm exhausted. I feel like I'm just constantly trying to keep up. As soon as I get... God, I just, I'm living on the edge. I, I feel like if one more thing happens, I don't know if I can go on. I don't do this because I'm not strange like this, but I really believe... I think the Holy Spirit is is telling me there's somebody in this room you've You've told God if it doesn't change, I'm gonna end it all. It'd probably be better off without me anyway. just exhausted. I don't feel like there's any purpose. I didn't think my life would be this way. I didn't think we'd end up here losing everything, divorced, messed up, kids, crazy, addicted. I, God, how did I get here? I need to know you. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Nobody. Everybody's eyes are closed. If that's you, if, you, if you've if you ever felt, maybe today, feeling like you're a slave to that stuff, feeling like You're empty on the inside, just wore out, exhausted with life. With nobody looking around, would you just be honest and raise your hand and say, Man, that's me. You got me. That's me. I see you. I see your hands. That's me. So I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can pray it with you. Somebody's hand holding yours and your other hand maybe... On your chest, why don't you say something that sounds like this? God, I repent. God, I give you my whole life today. God, I, I make a choice today to turn away from everything that I have previously done. God, I give you my whole life, everything that I am today. God, I repent for all that stuff, that bitterness, that anger, that guilt and shame. Take all of that off of me, God. Save me today. God, lift that stuff off of me. Come on, you feel it right now, lifting off of your shoulders. God, lift me out of that depression. Lift me out of that purpose, that purposelessness. God, what I don't feel like, I even know what I'm doing next. I don't know why I wake up in the morning. Lift me out of that. Father I surrender my whole life to you come on tell him something like that God I surrender it all to you I'm not going to try to fix it anymore I'm not going to try to do it on my own anymore I'm giving you my whole life I'm giving you everything every part of me the stuff nobody knows the secret parts of my heart I surrender it all to you God I put all the chips in today I'm committing my whole life to you God I'm not just going halfway anymore I'm going all in everything all of me all of my life I want to know you I want to know you. I need a father. I don't need religion anymore. I don't need any rules anymore. I want a father. I want to know God more than I want anything else in my life. I want to know you. I want to know you. I'm tired of knowing about you in my head. My head hasn't helped me any. I need to know you in my heart. I want to know you. Take me today. Come on, if you've never prayed that way, say that prayer. Take my heart today. Cleanse me and make me new. In Jesus' name. Come on, say in Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen.